every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and as always, we'll start by going over the Bundesliga match day results. On Friday night, we had Eintracht Frankfurt 2, Hertha Berlin 2, into Saturday, Augsburg 2, Mainz 1, Freiburg 1, Wolfsburg 0, RB Leipzig 3, Hoffenheim 1, Borussia Dortmund 5, Fortuna Dusseldorf, nil. Then, yes, of course, the big one. We'll be talking about this plenty. Borussia Mönchengladbach, 2. Bayern Munich, 1. Leverkusen, 2. Schalke, 1. And then into Sunday, Union Berlin, 2. Cologne, nil. Finishing off the weekend was Werner Bremen, nil. Paderborn, 1. Yes, yeah, so joining um, myself this evening, we're a little bit depleted. It's just Manu Vett and I. Manu, obviously the creator of Football Grad and contributor for Forbes. Manu, how have you been? You're in Germany again. Yeah, I'm, I'm back home. Um, you know, it's always good to be back in Germany and just in time for um, what should be a very memorable week. I'm in Salzburg tomorrow, um, Bryce for the, the press conferences and then of course on Tuesday for the game against Liverpool and then on Wednesday for, for the, the Champions League game and then on Thursday, uh, Europa League meeting up with Chris Williams who sadly can't, can't join us today. Um, he's very busy. I think, you know, packing, getting ready for the trip and all that. He's last minute. He had to cancel on us, but that's fine. I think, um, you know, we will we'll have plenty to talk about, but, um, really, I think we should be just okay covering it, the two of us. But how are you, Bryce? All good? Yeah, not too bad. Um, yeah, I'm sure Chris will be back soon enough, won't he? Um, we'll obviously miss him. But, um, yeah, the two of us will flag, fly the flag, won't we? Especially when we've got uh, plenty to talk about. And jet lag on your behalf and a cold on mine will, huh. won't stop the excitement oh, here. Oh, you know um, that I don't get jet lag. <laughs> I always, I always thought your rule was to get over jet lag. You just go out and get drunk. Did has that mm. happened yet? No, not today. Um, yeah, but <laughs> it seems to be a little bit of uh, that going on. Usually, what I do, I go first to work though, and then there's work events right after. But yeah, um, it. I, I do believe that actually the best thing, not necessarily get drunk, but to just stay awake. The first night, first day, the biggest mistake I think you can make. Well, this is going to be jet lag advice on this podcast, Bryce, is to actually just stay awake the first day. 
<laughs> there you go. All the listeners will, will know how to deal with it now. But um, I suppose we might as well jump into the football, eh, Manu? And he, he, the, it, it, we kind of suggested that this might happen last week, uh, and we hoped and prayed that it would happen. Uh, but the original classicer, uh, as as we've discussed that in the previous podcast, um, well, it turned out exactly how we wanted it to with Borussia Mönchengladbach getting a 2-1 victory, a, a penalty right at the end of the game to uh, take it away from Bayern and leave them uh, top of the table and somewhat uh, <laughs> cushioned between them and the former champions. Bayern slipping down to 7th with 24 points, while Borussia Mönchengladbach in first still with 31. Manu, excellent news for us, really, isn't it? And it's not that we're anti-Bayern Munich, it's just it's good for the league. Yeah, we're definitely not anti-Bayern Munich. I think it is it is memorable. Um, you know, the, the way I had to cover this game, funny story, I, I partly covered it on the flight, and uh, thankfully I was able to, to catch most of it on the stream and the, the rest of it on, on the radio and then backwatched it for the report I had to do um, for Forbes. And um, on our day, they were saying the idea, of course, the German state television, this is a memorable, maybe historic night in German football. And it really had that sort of feel to it with, with that result because this, this game, we all anticipated it to be a big one. But the way Bayern came out firing in the first half, you know, they produced chance after chance after chance. And then that, um, I, I don't know if any, if, if you haven't seen the photo yet, you should go check it out. Um, that Kimmich shot that slipped through Sommer's, I believe Sommer's legs. Um, rolled over the line and then he reaches back and touches the ball with the, his middle finger to roll it back and then they showed the photo of course of the goal line technology right and it was literally I mean literally two centimeters Bryce that kept Bayern from opening that scoring and then you know they did open the scoring and I thought it was so fascinating how Bayern were so dominant in that in that first you know first 60 minutes or so um, got the lead through Ivan Perisic, and then Bezabaini scores, and all of a sudden this is an open, magnificent game, and that there is a moment just before before Bezabaini hits, and what a cracking header that was! I mean, that ball goes in at 120 kilometers an hour. Just before that. He hits that header. There's an entire, the energy in that stadium, Borussia Park, seems to almost be channeled onto that, onto that particular moment and then just erupts as he hits that header. And he puts so much energy into that header. It's, it's an incredible thing. And I think from then on, Gladbach were just flying. And, you know, based on, yes, the first 60 minutes, Bayern should have probably had a bigger lead, but it's a game of 90 minutes, isn't it? And, uh, I think on balance, Gladbach did, were not an undeserved winner here. No, not at all. I mean, I mean as you said, that first half was awfully one-sided. Um, it, 13 shots to one, I believe. And it, it looks like, you know, eventually uh, Bayern would find a way through. And uh, you, you've described it as a 
golden finger by Sommer to yeah. uh, keep them out and pull that ball back. Uh, quite fascinating, really. And so, you know, that those fine margins, you know, we always talk about can be the difference when it comes to becoming champions. And I know it's it's still early, you know, to suggest that they might be champions, but you know, that that could be absolutely vital because if, if Bayern took the lead, then you never know with that momentum in the first half. You know, they could have went on maybe and scored a few more, but Lewandowski, it, it seemed, um, including a few others, just didn't really have their shooting boots on until uh, Perisic scored at the start of the second half, where it, it almost seemed, Manu, like they were all lining up to have a go. And incredible that you know, Marco Rosa was able to get his side to come back into the game like the way he did that second half. They were completely transformed. Yeah, you know... You look back at the chances because um, I spend a lot of time going over the video to to write my report simply because of the situation I was in having to cover this game. Um, it's not easy to do it mid-flight, tell you that. That's been a new experience. But um, going through the video, looking back at the different scenes, the attacking scenes, and um, what struck me was that, yes, they had a lot of shots, but it weren't the most forceful of chances you know they were all good chances but uh, it wasn't um it wasn't like you know that you really expected all of them to go in uh, i think the one that summer uh, got his finger on w- was probably the one that everyone expected to go in um then in the second half and i actually wonder whether Rosa may have gotten his starting 11 a little bit wrong, um, leaving out Mbolo, for example, right? Um, he, he acted very proactively, bringing in uh, more attacking players, um, not shying away from taking the risk. And I think he got awarded for it. And I think he realized that maybe in his tactical approach, his team was a little bit too tame against the Bayern side that I wonder almost if you looked at Leverkusen last week and the way they approached that game, you know, sitting very deep and trying to hit Bayern on the counter. If if he went for that, then he almost um, took away his own strongest weapons, which is this bit more aggressive counter press. And you saw a lot more of that towards the end um, of the, of the second half. And, you know, the, the, the awareness to create chances, like the, the, the way, uh, Kimmich was forced into a mistake that then led to the breakaway by Turam, which led into Javi Martinez bringing him down and creating the penalty opportunity. So I think that Rosa really looked at this match long and hard and he came to the right conclusions throughout the game to make the changes to, um, you know, get Borussia Mönchengladbach this win and such a historic win. Um, when when you really look at the implication of, of it all. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, we, we said that, you know, it, I think it was Chris said that, you know, there's there's six points, isn't there, when you're playing um, a team like like Bayern um, throughout the season with the two games you play with them. So you know, if, if you're six points ahead, they win both those games, they're straight back into it, but they haven't. They, they've managed to um, increase that lead, you know, uh, fantastically. Um, and by playing some great football this season as, as well. Um, you know, is, is it too early for us to start thinking that, you know, this might be the first time since the 70s that Borussia Mönchengladbach might actually be able to go on and win the league? I mean, the 70s 
they were phenomenal winning the title five times uh, and becoming runners up uh, twice you know but they they haven't been they haven't been you know successful since um should their fans be starting to believe manu you know this is i think so i think if you first after match day 14 you would be wrong not to believe um the the, the fact is and this is some something very historic about this particular game that this was the first time that Gladbach hosted Bayern as the league leader since 1977. Gladbach won that game in 1977 and then of course ended up winning the league um, that year and that was the last Bundesliga title they have won since and you know you look back at this Gladbach side of the 70s and the the team that they were able to put together one of the best German teams club teams that ever existed um, they were really able to to dominate the bundesliga in, in that in that span you know five years they won the europe, europe uh, uefa cup twice um they won the, the national title five times the, the hennes weisweiler um you know approach to football worked very well they there was some very big stars in that team Günther netzer for example right or Beatty Vogts and it's um a shame really that they weren't able to sustain that success into the eighties and nineties and a lot of that is is down to economics. This the city of Munich is is big, it's wealthy, there's a lot of big companies here, rich companies here that could sustain a club like Bayern and, and in in Mönchengladbach it's it's a smaller town. Yes, it's in the it's a bigger community, but it's it doesn't maybe have the economic backing that uh, Munich has, and uh, especially in the 80s and 90s, you know, when the golden generation started to break away into different parts. Net Netza, for example, went to Real Madrid, right? Um, they they really struggled to sustain that, and I think um, I think it, it's always going to be hard for them to win a Bundesliga title again, just simply because they don't have those economic resources. Now that said, everything is possible in football, and the the biggest fish in the pond is very wounded. And that's Bayern, right? They are now in, in seventh place, and um, I think that if you are looking at the table right now and, and you Borussia Mönchengladbach, you you're gonna say, look, if there's ever a chance for us to win a Bundesliga title, this is the year. This is the year it can be done, because Bayern are so vulnerable, they're going to drop more points this year. It's just going to happen. The side is just not good enough to put in a sustained run and to come back the same way they did last year. I just can't see it happening. So that doesn't mean that as Gladbach, you are through because, you know, Leipzig are just, and we're going to talk about them in a moment. Leipzig are just one point behind Dortmund are resurgent. Um, there's probably going to be one or two other teams in there that will be like saying, okay, look, we're gonna go for it this year, and I think that that challenge might not necessarily be Bayern, but there's still going to be a long way. Uh, Matthias Ginter said something really nice um, after the game. He said, "A, champ- a championship run is a marathon and not a sprint," and I think that really um, underlines that the Gladbach players are very much aware that this was, you know, just a segment of a forty-kilometer of a forty-kilometer run. Yes, yeah, all very true, isn't it? It's you know, in, in relative terms, we're still 
rather early into the season, um, even though we're fast approaching the halfway mark. You know, early meaning you don't want to crown anyone just yet. Um, but Manu, your final word on Gladbach. I mean, we've got three more games in the Bundesliga before they have that winter break. Um, you, you see them coming up against Wolfsburg, Paderborn, and then Hertha Berlin. Can you see them picking up nine points in those games? I would have to say I, I, I can see it happening. Wolfsburg obviously have come off the boil a little bit. They've lost three of their last four Bundesliga games. Uh, Paderborn, obviously, good result this weekend, uh, but you know, th- they've struggled this year. And Hertha is still not entirely convincing um, since the, the new coach appointment. So well, what about you? Do you see them being able to pick up nine out of nine? Yeah, I do think that it's quite possible for them. You know, it'd be really such a big shame for them to beat Bayern in this game and then not pick up nine points in the next three against opponents that I think um, they have to beat in current form. Um, you, of course, you have to always remember they have a very, very important Europa League match on Thursday against, um, oh, and if I butcher this, please apologies to all Turkish listeners, Istanbul's Bazaksi here. Um, and that's, the, I think that's a game they have to win pretty much to ensure to go through, right? To the next round or at least collect a draw. And I think that, that is something that you have to keep in mind as well, right? Um, that that's a really important game for them. Um, so I think once they have that Europa League fixture out of the way, then they have a Saturday, then they have a midweek, and then they have another Saturday fixture. There's, so there's a lot of games going in before they, they finally get into that winter break. And I think, a lot of those sites um, are really looking forward to that winter break just to retool a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, Bruce here, Mujan Gladbach do have a Europa League tie, and I am very glad that you chose to uh, try and pronounce that rather than myself. <laughs> but but only a one point separating the top three of that group, so all very much still to play for. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the Champions Bayern Munich then. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> unbelievable, really. I mean, I don't think many people would have predicted that you know this far into the season that they'd be sitting as lowly as seventh with four losses under their belt um manu i believe that you've said that this um is actually the worst league start in in some time it's the worst start um the worst start or the worst start after 14 games since the giovanni trapattoni era first giovanni trapattoni era so that was in 1994 uh, five. Um, I remember the season very well because this is one of the first seasons I really, really followed as a kid. I was 10 at the time. And <laughs> Trabatoni is an excellent coach. He actually came back, um, after taking a year off at Bayern and then won the title with them. And, um, but it, it, it that was a very, very, very difficult year for Bayern. You know, they, they assembled this, uh, what we called back then the dream team. Um, this, the squad that was supposed to, um, dominate the league, uh, and they really didn't. Um, they had a very similar start to this year. They, they never really got going. Every time they managed to get a couple of wins in a row, um, they would, they would drop points here and there. And then in the end, they finished sixth. And the only reason they actually qualified for the UEFA Cup, which they actually ended up winning next, the, the, the following year, um, with Jurgen Klinsmann, uh, breaking the goal scoring record in that competition. And, um, 
the only reason they actually won it that year. Oh my God, Bryce, you'll laugh about this fact. The only reason they qualified as the sixth place team to the UEFA Cup is because Gladbach finished in fourth place but won the DFB Pokal and therefore went to the Cup Winners' Cup, which freed up the sixth spot for Bayern to qualify for Europe. Um, <laughs> wow, it, it all sounds um, very relevant, doesn't it, all of a sudden? It, it, it's just an interesting parallel, but I mean, the season does feel similar to that uh, for some odd reason. You know, of course, it, it was a different era, and I don't, I don't think that Bayern are... I think Bayern are going to finish in the top four, but they just they just can't you know, they had they they fired Nico Kovac and sorry, they mutual terminated Nico Kovac's contract. And then they went uh they beat Olympiakos 2-0, they beat Borussia Dortmund um who had at the time their very own problems, 4-0 at the Allianz Arena. Then they beat Fortuna Düsseldorf 4-0, um, which, you know, looked like a great result at the time, but has to maybe be put in relative terms a little bit. And then they absolutely smashed um, Svena Svetsa, Red Star Belgrade, right? But then the first opponent that kind of tactically challenged them were Leverkusen, and they lost that game 2-1, because Leverkusen, unlike Dortmund, actually showed up. You know, they 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 played a very defensive game. They gave Bayern the ball, but they were very good with the ball, and they put in a very very high work rate shift. So, um, although the statistics show a very dominant Bayern performance, Leverkusen actually played a very good game there. And then the following week against Gladbach, it was very much the same story, wasn't it? That again, a team that actually said, "Okay, look, yeah, we struggled the first few minutes, first uh, sixty minutes or so, but then you know we found tactical solutions to beat Bayern, and they beat them tactically." And that shows me shows to me that although on the Hansi Flick, the atmosphere and the chemistry in in this club is is a lot better. And I still think that Hansi Flick is actually a very good fit there. Maybe the playing personnel isn't quite good enough to to challenge for the title this year. And this this is a big statement, right? But you know, Niklas Süle is injured. Lucas Hernandez is injured. I think that Kingsley Coman and Serge Gnabry are excellent players, but they're not on that Aaron Robin, Frank Ribéry level quite yet, and it will take some time until they get there. Alfonso Davies has played excellent football as a left back, but he's not a left back. He's playing out of position, um, forcing da- playing there because David Alaba, who is not a center back, is playing center back. You know. And you see that there's just little tiny things that are just not quite right. But it's because Hansi Flick is is forced into filling holes because of all the centre-back issues. Now, in this game against Gladbach, you had Jerome Boateng go off with an injury. Um, he's unfortunately very injury-prone these days. And then Javi Martinez sent off, right? He will be missing the next game. So it's not like they're going to just go to the bench and say, OK, look, let's, let's bring in other players. Will they maybe go to Lucas Mai? Um, the talented the center back in, in the Bayern Amateure, or maybe even call up Chris Richards, who's an 18 year old, um, US American, right? Um, who's also very talented. These players are not the sort of players that you need to, to fix the current situation at the club. And I, I think, and Bayern fans might tear me apart for this, and I might be proven wrong at the end of the season, but I just don't think the quality at the moment, 
is there to put in the sort of run that's required to not just catch Gladbach, but also the six clubs that are ahead of them. Do, you know, it, it's it's not like it's just five points to Gladbach, uh, seven points to Gladbach, but there's also another five clubs sandwiched in between Bayern and Gladbach. Uh, and that makes that makes the situation a lot more difficult because you're not only racing Gladbach, but you're also racing all these other teams that are also racing Gladbach. And um, every time you drop points, you you will be another step behind. It's not like last year, you know, where they where they basically I think at this stage they were third or fourth, um, where they where the gap was just really to Borussia Dortmund, and um, it's just not going to be like that. And Joshua Kimmich in the, the radio interview after the match admitted that much. He said, like, if people think it will be just like last year, they, they're on the wrong path. Um, this will be a lot of work. And that just maybe also suggests to me that maybe they're not quite actually believing really themselves that they, it is quite possible this year. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, that's it, Manu. I suppose I was going to ask you, you whether you think uh, you may have answered that in a way that you know, these kind of results, you know, and them being down in seventh and this the worst uh, start in quite some time since ninety four, ninety five, as you were saying, w- would it push them to uh, possibly get a, a new coach in in the winter break or mm-hmm. in January? Do you think it'll end up being that they'll have to? purchase a few players um you, you seem to suggest more the latter if if that's something that uh, they may even do or, or 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 do they just ride it out to the summer and then try and sort everything out then it's a very good question will there be i personally think they'd be smarter off to go with the players that they have because what do you do when Niklas Süle and Lucas Hernandez eventually come back right what do you do if you sign even more players to fulfill those supposed holes. It's always the danger when you have injured players. So I'm not sure that would actually really help them. I think they will, they will try. They will try to push for the title simply because that's in the DNA of the club. And, and maybe, um, that push will be successful. But at the same time, I don't think anyone will think it's the end of the world if someone else wins it this year. As long as they get into the Champions League, I think that's that's going to be very important for, for the club. I mean, that that's where they have to be, right? Um, but maybe they they just realize too. You have to understand how exhausting that run was last year, in with the atmosphere at the club. I and mean, we covered the entire season last year, right? Um, Chris spent some time at the club when when Liverpool played there. I go to at least half their home games, sometimes more, every season, and you know I, I experienced there what it is like and what it was like last year and I think the club really pushed hard to win the double last year it was a lot more work than than you and I can even fathom it was and you almost wonder if that caused a mental exhaustion and then you have 
you know, the Riverine Robin, yes, they were on the final legs of their careers, um, but they were still very important personalities. And to see the two players like that depart, um, you can replace that on the field, but you cannot necessarily replace that in the dressing room. The, the leadership, you know, is all of a sudden falls on the shoulders of players that are 23, 24 and have the, have a lot of experience, like Kimmich, for example, but, um, it's just not quite there yet. And I'm just not sure if they are ready to undergo that mental exhaustion once again and whether to sign new players. I, I'm not a big fan of quick January fixes. I mean, it's fun to write those articles and scout those players and, um, you know, have the buzz that it creates, but really it doesn't really fix that much. And name me, name me, um, a summer signing that really turned around a club, Bryce, uh, winter signing, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good question. It's, it doesn't happen very often, does it? Uh, I'll have to get back to you on that one, I think. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I if you're a listener and you listen to this, and feel free to shout me, uh, shout, yeah. me uh, shout me a tweet. Uh, I, I really, I mean, I, I remember disastrous winter signings, many of them. You know, Shevchenko to Chelsea, I believe, was one. Uh, your club signing Fernando Torres in the winter, I believe, right? Uh, selling Fernando Torres to Chelsea as well, and that, yeah, wasn't, that yeah. didn't work out so well. Um, didn't Andy Carroll arrive at Liverpool in the winter? Yeah, he sure did. Well, Luis Suarez did as well. Okay, so there's maybe an exception, but, um, didn't win exactly many titles at Liverpool either, did he? Anyhow, it's, 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 it's a, you know, stay on topic, but it's, uh, it's, it's such a difficult window to find the right player. That's it. It's, it's more desperate times, inflated prices and, yeah. It can take a, a player a while to adjust to the new surroundings and that. It's it's never an ideal scenario. It's a, it's more things are extremely desperate. I, I feel. I always feel it's more a team that may be getting um, themselves uh, into the relegation spots that maybe need a striker or someone like that to to boost their chances of staying up. Otherwise, well, it's it 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 is a difficult one as you said, but. Um, let, let's uh, see how the next few weeks pan out for them uh, at uh, Bayern and see if they end up do sign anyone in January. But let's talk a little bit about uh, a man that we probably are a little bit hard on from time to time, and that's Peter Bosch and his uh, Bayern Leverkusen side. Uh, they've picked up a, another win, an impressive win against uh, David Wagner's uh, Schalke, who you know we've been singing the praises of in recent weeks. Um, this 2-1 victory with two goals from Alario uh, has brought them up to sixth, but it's very, very close, isn't it? Between third and seventh, as you kind of mentioned, Manu, you know, there's only two points in between those sides, three of them being on 25, including uh, Leverkusen and Schalke. Um, but the, this is a fantastic result for them, and uh, maybe we need to give uh, Peter Boss a, a bit more credit with the results that he's had in the last two weeks. Yeah, and also in the Champions League, right? Um, they they actually still have a chance to to qualify um, in in that as well. I know Chris is going to be there on Wednesday. Um, unlike unlike me, he's not going to a dead rubber match on Wednesday. I'm at Bayern Tottenham, and it looks like Jose is bringing the reserves out for that one. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one because if if they beat Juventus and uh, Lokomotiv get a result um, in Madrid, then they are the they can still go through, which no one expected them they would, and that's because Peter Bosch has. I, I think he's actually done a really good job tightening the sh the ship 
I can't believe I'm saying that, Bryce. It's unbelievable. But, um, you know, they, they're defensively a lot more sound. They uh, still have that attacking flair, but it's measured. That performance against Bayern is a, is a great example where they, where they really sat deep and really did, they, they gave Bayern the ball, which must have just, um, opposed anything that Peter Bosch stands for. Um, the hair must have stood on his back on in this game to even appro- approach it that way, but it worked. Got them the three points and it got them three really important points against, against Schalke as well. Um, you know, with a very similar approach, a very, very pragmatic approach. So maybe Peter Bosch has gotten a handle on this league and, you know, they play some very effective football at the moment and they're right in the thick of it now. Um, I mean, anyone up there now is right in the thick of it and good for them. I mean, good for Peter Bosch to turn things around. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, um, I mean, them getting a Champions League spot, you know, it, there's as much possibility at the moment as, as the teams around them, you know, that they, they've, they've seemed to have straightened things out a little bit. As you said, you know, giving the opposite side the ball is not what we're used to, but it, it seems to be paying off well for them because we've known how good they are with the uh, counter attack. Uh, and, you know, Leon Bailey looks uh, revived almost at the moment uh, as well. Um, uh, Manu, I suppose you we have to talk a little bit about you know um, their midweek game. They're, they're, they've got um, Juventus coming up. Um, how do you see uh, this game then going for them? I mean, league-wise, they've won three out of the last four, uh, drawing the other one. Um, it looks good, but you know they really need a win here to leapfrog over Atletico Madrid if there's any chance of that happening. Yeah, as I wrote in, in, in the preview, which will be out, um, I think tomorrow, um, we're recording this, of course, on Sunday night. So, um, it should be out tomorrow early, um, with all the Champions League previews. I, it's really not up. They just have to do their homework against Juventus. And I think they have a good chance of doing just that because Juventus are through and, um, their Juventus are struggling a little bit in the Serie A, right? Um, they, they're currently only second and, um, might, might choose to rotate a little bit. So it's up to them to get the job done, you know, um, win at home and then just hope that locomotive pull off some sort of miracle in Madrid. Um, but I think they have, they have a good chance of getting a result against Juventus. I think they've, they're definitely good enough right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I, I think they've got a good chance of winning that game, but unfortunately they need other results to go their way. Um, Schalke, should they be concerned about this loss or do you think it's just a blip for uh, Wagner's side? Um, I mean, they've got Eintracht Frankfurt coming up next, um, which is a tough enough game in itself, followed by Wolfsburg and Freiburg before the uh, midway mark. Um, very winnable games uh, in there, um, you know, with Wolfsburg. Frankfurt, why not when they're at home? Uh, Freiburg's obviously going to be a tricky one, but you, you, provided they don't lose all three of those games, Manu, uh, I suppose maybe even if they do, it, it's been a fantastic first half of the season for them. Yeah, I'm actually hoping to be at um, the game against Frankfurt. I'm really looking forward to 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 watch um, David Wagner's side live, um, see them in action. Um, I don't think they're too concerned about this result, to be quite frank, because I, I don't think they, they expect it to be, uh, where they are right now in the, in the Bundesliga standings, um, at this point of the season. So, 
you know they know that the setbacks the coming setbacks are part of the of the rebuild um they are in the reach of the champions league spot i think they, they're going to be quite happy about it at the same time i think that game against frankfurt next week is going to be very difficult um, i watched frankfurt hatter on on friday I covered that game on um the football grad network and uh, frankfurt should have really beaten hatter and I think the results are going to come for Frankfurt very soon. And I think this is going to be a real tough test for them, for both sides, actually. Yeah, it's going to prove to be an interesting game uh, one way or the other. But uh, let's talk about Schalke's rivals and Borussia Dortmund. They had a fantastic victory of the weekend. Uh, it's absolutely smashing Fortuna Dusseldorf uh, 5-0. It took them a little while to get on the score sheet, uh, 41 minutes. Uh, but then a very impressive uh, passing display, seeing them creep in with a goal from Marco Royce. And after that, they really seemed to uh, turn the screw I must say, Manu, before we get to uh, the resurgence um, of uh, Dortmund, that all-black commemorative mm. um, anniversary kit, the 110 years, was beautiful. I loved that a lot. Yeah, I think everyone loved it, except for Andrew Flint. <laughs> really? What, what was wrong with him? Oh, just check out his Twitter feed. I invite anyone to uh, to bully him over his poor taste of clothing. No, seriously, I, I thought it was stunning too. Um you know the players loved it too. When you look at the, the comments that a lot of players players made on the um, on on social media, on Twitter, and Instagram, Jaden Sancho said it's the best kit that day he's ever played in, and he he would love to play in it every week. And um, you know, I think Achraf Abkimi and Axel Witzel made similar comments. It looked it looked really good, didn't it? And I think um, commemorative kits are always dangerous because you know you want to have we want to wear them and hope for a commemorative result and they actually wore a commemorative shirt and just played a fantastic fantastic game um, i mean they were absolutely incredible bryce they were the sort of Borussia Dortmund side that we've seen towards the beginning of last year and unfortunately fizzled out and you made so almost wonder if they're getting hot at the right time because if they're getting hot now and maybe have the sort of run that they had last year, but now from now till the end of the year, they're back in the title race. Um, I definitely think that they're back in the title race. You know, they had a wobble and um, then they beat Hertha in a very difficult game. And this, this could really lift the weight of their shoulders. And the fact that both Marco Reus and Sancho, two players that have been talked about a lot, and there were reports by uh, an English paper that Borussia Dortmund are going to sell him. Um, of course, that's the very same English paper also reported that Ramsey is going to go to Bayern. So make of that what you will. But, you know, um, I, I think that game in particular showed that the, the, the chemistry and the atmosphere at Dortmund is maybe a little bit better than a lot of people suspected. Yeah, based on this performance, you would have said that there was no problems whatsoever within that camp uh, there was so much you know beautiful football on display you know um, I, as you said Manu and yet Fortuna Dusseldorf and never an easy side to play against and they made it look like they were a few leagues below in that second half they they, they were very impressive uh, 
They've got, um, before we get to their European tie, uh, which we'll speak about briefly, they've got uh, a game against Mainz, then RV Leipzig, and then Hoffenheim before the uh, winter break uh, commences. I, I mean, not not the easiest of games. They might fancy their chances against uh, Mainz and Hoffenheim, but that RV Leipzig game mm. that's getting ever so closer, that that's a really exciting one. And they're turning it on just at the right time, as you said. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's going to be a milestone game, especially after they um, botched the, the match against uh, Bayern in the most terrible fashion, right? They really have to um, show up for this one and uh, really put a stamp on on one of the closest title competitors, a side that I think is, in my opinion, maybe the favorites to win the title, um, Leipzig. Ahead of Gladbach, you know, there's only one point separating them, two of them. So I think that for Dortmund, this is a very, very important game to beat Leipzig um, at home, right? To get those three points and, and really uh, reestablish themselves, um, reestablish their title credentials. And obviously uh, midweek, they're going to be playing uh, Slavia Prague, a, a very tough um, group it's proved to be for them as they're sitting in third currently, but joining on the same amount of points as Inter Milan. Um, Manu, obviously Inter Milan have to play Barcelona, but um, which is not going to be easy. But the, the, you know, Favre's really going to have to get a, a big performance out of his side midweek to to try and seal uh, their fate through to the uh, knockout phases. Uh, how do you see that going? And I suppose do you see him making any changes? You know, after that game, I mean, you'd almost say that that ideal performance. You know, just roll out the same side and try and do the same again, right? Yeah, go with the same side, beat Slavia Prague at home and just hope that Barcelona do the right thing. You know, if Barcelona play with their normal formation, then they should get a result, a point. A point is enough, right? For If Barcelona get a point against Inter, then, then Dortmund will go through and you really hope that Barcelona do the right thing uh, and do exactly that. And I think they're more than capable of doing exactly that. Um, get the point, and then, then if if Barcelona get the point, uh, lean out of the window right now. Um, Dortmund will definitely beat Slavia, um, and then Dortmund will go through to the next round. Yes, indeed, we'll be keeping a close eye on that uh, midweek. See how it goes and where uh, Borussia Dortmund end up in the well as we go into the new year. Uh, I suppose we need to talk about RB Leipzig. Then the side that we mentioned will be playing. Uh, Dortmund uh, rather soon um, another impressive victory a 3-1 win against Hoffenheim who have had a bit of a, a bit of a rocky season but uh, Nagelsmann coming up against his former side his um, side he first coached for and this looked rather routine for RB Leipzig and, and Timo Werner has been in fantastic form as well this season, hasn't he? Um, things are really looking good under Nagelsmann uh, once again after that slight blip they had a few weeks ago. Yeah, and I was there during their blip, and I actually thought that they played quite well. You know, that was that defeat to Lyon. Um, now they are already through to the next round of the Champions League. Um, they, I think if they get a point against Lyon, they, they just need a point against Lyon to, to finish first. Um, I'm not sure how much first or second actually matters in the Champions League because, you know, when you look at Luke Wu's among the teams that could finish second, right? Someone like Liverpool, someone like Madrid, um, 
just get through the next stage is really not all that matters. So I could even see Nagelsmann say, look, we're through. Let's, let's rotate the side. We place, we have such, had such a tough schedule. We still have three important games, including the one against Dortmund coming up. Um, let's make an, let's take an advantage of the fact that we've qualified and, um, just rotate the side, play some of the players that haven't had, had so much playing time. Um, try out some things tactical. I, I could see that happen. Um, against, um, Leon, that, that's more or less how I worded it in the preview as well. Um, but Bryce, Timo Werner, I mean, 15 goals now in 14 games. Remember when people were talking about, um, uh, Timo Werner not being good enough for Bayern, not being a good striker, not being the, quite a prospect that he is. I think he's 23 now. He's, uh, he was the first player to, the youngest player to, uh, score 50, youngest player to get 100, I think, as well. I mean, his goal scoring, um, record this year is phenomenal. He's only one goal behind Robert Lewandowski, who, who I labeled uh, the best number nine in the world. And I, I stick to that. I, but I think that, mostly because Timo Werner is a very different player, but Timo Werner, after what many perceived an off-year, and really it wasn't that much of an off-year last year either, is in absolute top form. Um, he's putting away goal-scoring chances like there is no tomorrow and uh, has been just phenomenal in every single competition. Yeah, he's been very impressive. Uh, 15 goals uh, and five assists uh, so far in the league for him. I, I mean, it, it doesn't really get much better than that. I mean, Lewandowski's the only player to have scored more goals and, you know, to even be able to keep up with him, you know, is an incredible feat in itself because uh, we all know just how good, how lethal Lewandowski is. Um, Manu, how much would you put that down to um, the coaching and Nagelsmann, I mean, you know, he was going to be a star player himself, but unfortunately, uh, injuries took their toll on him, uh, forcing him uh, down the coaching route um, somewhat earlier. But um, he, he does seem to uh, be fantastic with players. And it, do, do you equate this you know, run that uh, Timo Werner is having to him? Or was it just the fact that he's a young player, like we mentioned with Bailey, and you, you're going to have some inconsistent uh patches on you know until you mature a little bit i think well i mean inconsistency 17 goals you know in a bundesliga season and as, as a young player is very good um so i i don't think Werner was actually as bad as many people made him out to be uh, it seems to be an odd a lot of odd takes about timo Werner. one of them is that he isn't that good of a player when obviously he really is a, a fantastic player and nagelsmann makes players better he always has, um, he's, he's very much known for that. And that's why players want to, want to play for him. Similar like how players want to play for Pep Guardiola, right? Because they're just aware of the fact that if they play for someone like Pep Guardiola, they, they will get the best coaching in the world and Nagelsmann will provide the best coaching in the world. And I think that, um, one of the reasons why Werner decided to renew his contract, um, in Leipzig is because he knew that under Nagelsmann, he will get better. And you know, Nagelsmann is an enormous asset for RB Leipzig because other players in, in the world will be looking at Leipzig and say, wow, look, he, he will make me a better player. If you, for example, Erling Haaland right now, and I uh, heard chatter that he's maybe has, um, his sights set on Manchester United. But if you, Erling Haaland right now, a young Norwegian striker playing in Salzburg, you know, a club that has a close relationship, um, and the transfers underline this with RB Leipzig, then you'd be like, okay, well, maybe 
I'd be best served to go to and play for Nagelsmann for a year, two, three, uh, three years maybe even, or maybe four or five, because he will make me a better player. And I think if you are Leipzig and you have a coach like that, you know, that's, that is an asset that you cannot underestimate. I, I know that Bayern got to sign players that they wouldn't have signed because of Pep Guardiola. And I think Julian Nagelsmann falls into that same category. And, um, I think that Nagelsmann and that side that he has right now, when they're in the winter break and they're still going to be in touching distance to the title, no matter what happens to the Dortmund, in the Dortmund game, those injured players are going to come back. He's going to have sustain a long, sustainable period of working with these players, with the group of players. They're going to come out of the gate flying in the second half of the season. And I know we will sound like a broken record, and some will accuse us of liking Leipzig maybe a little bit too much. But they are going to challenge for the title, and I think they can win it. Well, that was going to be my next question. I was going to say, you know, are they the true um, competitors you know, to yeah. the title, you know, with Gladbach. Is that 100%, what you believe in? 100%. Yeah. I would oh, love and, to and, see our Gladbach-Leipzig title race until the very end of the season. I think that'd be intriguing because it would go against any storyline that we mapped out. Um, it would, it, <laughs> yeah, too right. It, it would be, you know, maybe throwing like another team as well. I, I mean, I've experienced um, title races between teams that not included, like 1994, 1995, the title race was between Dortmund and Bremen, right? Um, it'd be nice to see that um, title races between Schalke and Bremen, for example. Or, you know, it, it'd just be nice to have two teams involved in title race that are not called Dortmund and Bayern, uh, right? That, like that, that old combination. It'd be it'd be an interesting one. And could you imagine this the the, the sort of storylines that would create and how much that would help the league? Who and actually it's branding and the, the year before it has that big ESPN contract coming in over in the United States and how much that would help the 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 US market to say like look we had a real title race last year and the title race was not your usual subjects it was a team that has probably a really big branding potential in Leipzig um, in the United States because it is a corporate brand right um, but also a team that has a big history, Borussia Mönchengladbach. And a lot of people, I, I I have people on my Twitter chat line talking to me about Gladbach, like it is the second coming, right? Um, and there is still that memory because a lot of people grew up watching football in the 70s and do have that come back. Uh, I think it would, it would be a very memorable title race and uh, I think it would be very good for the league. Yeah, absolutely. It would be a good thing. And as you said, you know, going into, you know, that new TV deal, it would be perfect, really. I mean, I would be getting you know, so excited about, you know, that still being the case, you know, at the later stages of the season. And even if Schalke could stay in that top four as well, it was something that we hadn't predicted either. You know, it, it would be fantastic mm-hmm. and it would be refreshing, wouldn't it? You know, to, to have these teams have a, a Bit of a revival, you know, less or so when you mention uh, Leipzig, obviously, but uh, you like so glad back, as you said, the, the kind of second coming of them. And, and Schalke, with, with them being a big side, you know, if they could get into, you know, Europe's finest competition in the Champions League as well, this is all good things for German football, you know. It's, it's good to have a bit of variation every so often rather than the two regulars because – if people aren't into the Bundesliga, they quite often, you know, look at us and kind of roll their eyes and say, oh, yeah, Bayern again. It's a one-horse and, race. 
and nobody wants that for their league, yeah. you know, no matter where your league is, you know, competition is a good thing, you know, so I, I agree. And RB Leipzig are doing fantastically well under Nagelsmann. That is five wins in a row, scoring 22 goals in those five games. Wow. Yeah. I looked up a statistic on my last bit on Timo Werner. He scored, he's been involved in 51% of all of Leipzig's goals this year. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I suppose they've scored 39 and, and he's got hmm. 15 goals and five assists. So, yeah. To compare wow. that, Lewandowski has been involved in 48% of all of Bayern's goals. Hey, well, you know. Well, and he's got, he's got age on his side, uh, Timo. So, yeah, it'll be a, it's going to be a fantastic season for him, isn't it? And uh, let's see where RB end up in the end. Um, but, um, Manu, let's work our way further down the table and talk about uh, Union Berlin. It's it's been a it's been a very good season for them as well. You, you may say, but they're sitting in tenth to get promoted uh, and a side like that to be sitting in tenth after fourteen games is a magnificent achievement. And they came up against a clone today and you're newly promoted as well. And you thought you know that this is going to be a big game for both sides. And they brushed Cologne aside. You were two goals, um, winning two nil, and and that's huge uh, in uh, staying in, in the division. And th them sitting in tenth is it's great to see, isn't it, Manu? Yeah, they're five points behind Bayern at this stage. I mean, um... <laughs> that that is a crazy statement to make after fourteen games. Yeah, exactly. I was just gonna say it, it wouldn't be crazy after match day five, but it's definitely crazy to say after match day fourteen. Uh, that they're only five points behind Bayern. Um, I saw a statistic somewhere today on Twitter um, that they are second last when it comes to playing away, but they're third um, at home overall in the league. So they've been fantastic at home. And remember, they beat Borussia Dortmund at home and they beat Borussia Mönchengladbach at home as well. So they, they are a strong team when they play at home. And then Chris... He, he did a bit of a mini season preview and he mentioned it last week. I want to mention it again. He said that if they want to be successful in the Bundesliga, they have to have to be successful at home. And that's exactly what they're doing. And they're getting their points at home. And I think when you're a promoted side, your home is your castle. You know, that stadium, the Alte Försterei, we were, we've been both lucky that we ended up going there, you know, on one of our first um real field trips as the the football grad network trip uh team right that we end at going to that that stadium and visited it and what a fantastic place it is and um it is such a difficult place for the visiting teams to play play at and i i think that they're, they're making the absolute most um out of playing in the Bundesliga at home and getting those points there and they, they really have to continue that um if they have one i have a chance but it's now match day 14. The magic number is always 40 points in the Bundesliga. I know in reality it's actually a little lower than that, right? But 40 points if you want to stay in. They got 19 now, Bryce. They're halfway there. They only need seven more wins and they will stay in the Bundesliga 100%. And I think they're going to get it. They're going to get those 21 points um, and they're going to stay in the league. Yeah, well, we've been talking a little bit about you know who uh, the different sides have before the winter break. So we've got three games left, and looking at uh, Union Berlin's games, they've got Paderborn away, mm. they're at home to Hoffenheim, and then they're away to uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf. Yes, away to Fortuna Dusseldorf, uh, with their away form, 
I think that one's going to be a tricky one. But at home to Hoffenheim, why not? Why not win that one? And away to Paderborn, that's a winnable game. It's going to be difficult. But, you know, I could see them picking up six points out of those possible nine, um, which would leave them going into the, the winter break in a, a fantastic situation. Yeah, then they would only need five more wins. <laughs> it sounds so simple, doesn't oh. it? If or five out of seventeen, it's doable. Yeah, well, that, that's very true, especially with a home form like that. You would, you would fancy it, wouldn't you? Yeah, it, you only have to. They have to win less than half of their home games in the second half of the season. Yeah, really, it's brilliant to have them in. And to, if I, if I'm being honest, I know that uh, Chris predicted that they might do quite well. I thought it was going to be very, very difficult for them to, to stay up. And yes, we're only 14 games in. Mm. There's there's still a lot can happen, but it, it, it's been fantastic, really. Um, Manu, just before we wrap things up then, um, let's um, very briefly uh, mention uh, Hertha Berlin, their cross-town rivals. Um, they drew 2-2 against uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, do we see this as a, a much of an improvement? They obviously had Dortmund as their first game uh, under... Uh, Klinsman, and then this one um, on Friday night. Do you see that there's going to be signs that they're going to be okay under Klinsman, or is it still a little bit too early yet? A point is a point. I think they're going to be quite happy with that, but in truth, the performance wasn't that great. Um, it was individual performance by Dodi Lukibakio or Marco Gorich that got them that 2 0 lead, and uh, Frankfurt should have, even after they were down 3 0, they should have still won that game. I think there's a lot of work to be had uh, in Berlin. But you look, when you look, listen to the players and the, the staff and all that, they all just be, they just all love working with Klinsmann. And I really hope that they turn it around and stay in the league because, you know, Hertha is, is in my opinion, a sleeping giant. Yeah, they really are. They some work and they need to uh, get to where we feel they deserve to be. Um, eventually, you know, a city of that size, so much potential, eh? Um, Manu, I think that more or less does it for this week. Uh, we've done pretty well considering, uh, you know, the possible uh, colds, the possible uh, jet lag, uh, just the two of us. But um, we've we've had plenty of plenty of good talk and plenty to talk about as as always. So never short of it in the Bundesliga, are we? But uh, Manu, you, you're in Germany. What have you got going on at this coming week? You mentioned about going to some Champions League games. Yeah, I'm heading to start. Book tomorrow morning. Um, it's not that long of a drive from Munich, and uh, we'll be spending two days there, um, hanging out with Jesse Marsh, and um, you know, doing doing a story on him and his Champions League. Um, watching a little bit of Erling Haaland as well. I'm really curious to see him. Um, of course, big game for Liverpool, your side, right, Bryce? Because uh, for Salzburg, the the equation is quite simple. If they win, then they go through. Um, if Liverpool tie or or win, then they go through. Um, so everything still will be played for on that one. And then I'm in Munich, uh, which is a bit of a dead rubber. Um, you know, Jose Mourinho has already said he's gonna play the reserves more or less. But I'm still interested to to come out to Bayern's last Champions League game. Uh, it's always an interesting networking opportunity, speaking to the players and um. Seeing and feeling the atmosphere at the club, and I'm, I'm really curious to to speak to Jose Mourinho and the things he had done in Tottenham, and then of course Europa League on Thursday, and um, then we Chris and I will be in Köln to see the Rhein derby between Köln and Leverkusen. I'm very excited about that, um, and then I will round it all up with a visit to Gelsenkirchen to see Schalke against Frankfurt. So yeah, it's it's going to be an upcoming very very busy week. 
Very exciting, though. I mean, we have the usual content coming out. There will be the previews on the Football Grad Network, so at Football Grad Live, and um, you can follow a, any other content. I do content, uh, the Bundesliga Roundup, which is finished and is uh, sent off to the International Champions Cup, so ICC. I do a weekly Bundesliga Roundup. Um, there will be a Champions League Roundup on Tuesday for the ICC, a Champions League Roundup on the Wednesday. Um, tons and tons of content, Bryce. What can I say? We're very busy. <laughs> I thought you were going to lose your voice just rhyming off everything yeah. that you're doing. Eh? Yeah. Jeez, I'll need wait. a glass of water now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Eh? Um, I, yeah, Fantastic, and good luck with your travels. And yes, obviously, I'll be watching uh, that Liverpool-Salzburg game uh, rather closely. Um, hopefully, things go our way. Anyway... Um, yeah, next week, another fantastic weekend of uh, Bundesliga football. We'll be back with the podcast, and I'm sure Chris Williams will be back as well um, rather soon. If you need any more football in your life, uh, head over on Twitter to the likes of at Football Grad Live. As Manu's just rhymed all off, there's going to be plenty of content in there. There always is. Um, so, yeah, you can fill your boots. But uh, before you know it, We'll be back um, in your ears and we'll be talking about next week's uh, match day. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. And until then, I'll feed us in. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.